This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. So I've been speaking for the last few weeks about the spirit dimension and um, kind of just touching on, on some practical things to do with that. And what I felt as though the Lord wanted me to do was to do something a little bit different this morning. And he wanted me to do like a spirit lab. Well, you don't know what it is yet. So hold on. <laughs> um, but it really just taking the concepts and things that we've been talking about and having a look at what it really looks like in situation. What does it look like in application? What does it look like in my life? And so that's re- what I want to do today. So we'll, we'll do things slightly differently. I've tried to keep it pretty practical. Um, I want to speak about um, being a partaker of his divine nature a partaker of his divine nature. So a few weeks ago, um, a, a nephew um, of ours got married. And so because I'm the only pastor in the family, they always come and say, will you marry me? And the funny thing about marriage is, marriage is like Christmas. It's really hard coming up with a marriage sermon or a Christmas one because everyone's been done before. And so it's really a hard thing because then you sound very rote and very un exciting and it's like oh here we go again and so I was thinking a little bit about that and what to do and the Holy Spirit started to speak to me about some things that I I kind of spoke about there and the more I thought about that it's actually something that I want to just talk about as a springboard to get into where we're going you know the amazing thing about marriage is this every person has an abundance of options as to who you want to spend your life with you could spend your life with anybody Think about it. Well, maybe not everybody, but you've got, you got a whole bunch of options available to you. But one of the most ava- uh, incredible things about marriage is two people sit and say, I've explored my options. I've checked everything out. And you know what? I want to commit my life to you. I want to give you everything. It's an investment of self into the individual. And I think there's something so incredible about God because it doesn't matter where you are and what journey you walk. When you come to a place where you recognize who he is in that space of union, what he does is he makes you feel and he affirms the fact that of everybody around you, you're the most special person in my life. In union with him, it's important that you know that he chose you. He chose you. I know Francisca thinks that she's God's favorite, but we won't tell her, but actually everybody is. But he makes you feel that. But what's so interesting is from that moment on, we begin something, a whole new journey, a fresh journey that begins to move forward between the two of us. And so in that space, what's so wonderful about marriage is that you're offered the benefit of creativity and innovation. In that space, two people come together and both of them have got a history and both of them have got a past and both of them have got ideas and both of them have had inputs put into their life and both of them are in a place where they're sitting saying, okay, what I bring to the party and what you bring to the party, we're going to kind of have an amalgamation of those two things and we can create a new reality that becomes our life together. It becomes something new. It's innovate. It's something that's never existed before because it's something that's been birthed out of two unique personalities, two unique individuals coming together as one. Amen. The danger in the invitation is sticking exclusively to your history. 
Because anytime we stick exclusively to where we've been, it's very difficult for us to move into the future. Anytime we stick exclusively to what's defined my life, it's very difficult for me to move into something new, into innovation, because I can't use my history as the foundation for my future. In some ways, I've got to sit and say, I don't want to change who I am. Well, I may have to make some adaptations, but fundamentally, I am still a person. I am still me, but I'm going to step into something new. I'm going to step into something which has never been formed before. And as a result of that, it's going to require change and adaptation. It's going to require something of me that's going to shift some things in my life so that I can move into something new. Anytime I try and build my future on my past, it's just you're stuck on the cycle. It never changes. We don't understand why, but it's because we never want to let go of anything. The opportunity presents itself to create something new. And what is created in that reality becomes so important and it becomes so consequential because the reality that's created in that space becomes the environment into which what is produced from that union is birthed into. What is created as a result of the two becoming one is your children are going to grow up in the reality that you create. The healthier the the reality, the more functional the reality, the better your children are going to be because they're going to grow and they're going to be nurtured and they're going to develop and they're going to find identity and they're going to be enforced, uh, reinforced and fed in that environment. The healthier it is, the better the children will be. It's the same thing when we come to a relationship with God. The wonderful thing about relationship with God is the two can become one. The two shall become one. He doesn't want to be separate from us. He wants to be intimately interconnected to who we are. He wants us to create something new, something exclusive, a relationship between him and me, something that exists that doesn't exist in any other reality. He may be the God in many people's lives, but he wants to do something unique between you and him. Something unique that exists nowhere else. And the wonderful thing about it is, in that space, he invites us into union. And he says, I want you to bring your past. And we bring all of our stuff. And when we bring our stuff, what's so wonderful about it is, he says, okay, now let's you and me create something new. We don't really want to have a look at this because the problem with it is it's got a big deficit in it. So I'll tell you what, let's leave that behind. What we can do is I'll introduce you to this, which establishes a firmer foundation for you. Understand this thing here. It's been a cancer. It's been eating at you. See this, it's toxic. He has a look at all of the aspects of our life that are disconnected from health and life. And he says, what I can do is we can have a look at that and I can introduce you to newness. We can get rid of that so that the reality that you and I can begin to produce becomes something that is healthy, that is fertile, that is full of life, that is full of growth, that is full of nutrition, that is going to take what is birthed out of the union from you and me, and it's going to flourish in that space. The reason God has to work in our lives, first of all, is because he has to do some stuff with us, because out of that union between he and I, we're going to birth something, and it's going to be birthed into the reality that is a fun of what he and I have created. And if I don't allow him to do some stuff in me, I'm really not at a very fit place to take something that he's birthed in me and nurture it effectively. Very often God does things in people's lives. We see it often in Sozo. God will do something incredibly transformational in somebody's life and introduce them to newness and put them in a brand new place. And the problem with it is they don't hold on to that. 
What they do is they let go of it because my paradigm for living is what I used to be like. So I go back to my history and the result of it is I can't hold his blessing, his transformation in my life. I go back to where I was and then I don't understand why it's not there anymore. It's not because the blessing wasn't there. I didn't have what it took to grab hold of it. Part of our responsibility is to understand that when God works in our life, he works through very much the same way that he does when you conceive a child. And when the child is born, you have a baby. But the baby has to be nurtured so it becomes a toddler. The toddler has to be taken care of and invested in and and grow and mature so that the toddler becomes a child. So the child becomes a teenager. So the teenager becomes an adult. Things, the things of God in our life grow. And so it's important for us to have a recognition of that and to understand part of what we need to do is to reverence and respect what's born into our life and take care of it so that it grows into the fullness of what he wants us to experience. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, we're getting to the practical stuff. Um, let me read um, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses two to four. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be a partaker of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There are a few things I want to point out in here. Number one, grace and peace are going to be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. The knowledge that he's talking about there is not an understanding of God, but coming to a place where you engage who God is as a result of participating in his nature. What is born on the inside of me is a reality and a truth of who he is. And suddenly when that life is ignited on the inside of me, I recognize God. So the knowledge of God that he's talking about is very much something gained through experience. It's not an intellectual knowledge of something. His divine power has has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The source of everything is going to be his divine power. Okay. Exceedingly, uh, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Let me tell you what, you know why that's so incredible? I will, Rafa. It's incredible because of this. If you look at who God is, the creator of all things, Lord of all, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, all authority has been given unto me, the creator of heaven and earth. That's who God is. God says, would you like to participate in that? That's what it means to be, to partake of his nature. That's who he is. His nature was the source of everything that happened. And the invitation is, would you like to participate in part of what it means to be, to allow me to come and marry you in that space for the two to become for part of who I am to come in and give redefinition and introduce innovation and creativity through you. What would that look like? That's what participating in his nature is all about. We get To experience God. Are you experiencing God? 
Now that is an interesting question. <clears throat> God didn't call us to know about him. He called us to experience him. He didn't call us to know about him. He called us to experience him. So how do we do that? You see, this is where the lab starts coming in. <clears throat> so a funny thing starts happening <clears throat> as you age. Your body changes. And the funny thing about it is your metabolism starts slowing down. And when it slows down, you suddenly notice, where does that come from? What are, what are those things? That's those things. We won't, we won't mention the name. But where did they come from? And it's like, I've got to do something about this. You recognize that there's a need in your life. And it's not the same when you were younger. Because when I was in my 20s and something happened, I recognized I needed to go on diet. And so I went on diet from about half past two in the afternoon <laughs> to about five, and I lost eight pounds. <laughs> and it was wonderful. The 20s were wonderful. The problem with it is when you're in your 50s, you decide to go on diet and you go on diet from about February to November and you have a look and there's like a half a pound and you think this is not possible. How did this happen? But the good thing about it is other people recognize this need. And so what ends up happening is they come into the equation. And fortunately, we have somebody called Jenny Craig, my little hero, my heroine. Jenny Craig. So she comes in and you know what she says to me? She says, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to make you a promise. I will make you a new person. I will make you healthier. I will make you thinner. I will make you thin and lithe. You will get rid of those love handles. And you know what? Everything that she promises is true. It's true. And so you decide, okay. JD and I are stepping out. And so what we do is I get onto her website and I start reading all about Jenny Craig and her history and the testimonials and where she comes from and everything about it. And I'm understanding everything about her, the program and how it works and what's going to happen. And then I start reading about the food and what's in the food and the nutritional benefits of the food. And then I get the packaging and I read the side of the packaging and it tells me how to make it and how often to have it and when to have it. And then I start reading about and I'm getting all of this information. I have the, 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 testimonials, I have the packaging, I have the, the, the little um, pieces of communication that they said, I've read everything, I know everything, I have so much information on Jenny Craig, I can tell you anything you want to know, I have all the facts about the diet program, I can tell you anything you want to know about the food, but you know what, nothing happens, you know why, because you didn't eat the food. I know everything about her, her program, the food, how it works, how it should happen. I know it all, but nothing happened. Those love handles are still wobbling. <laughs> nothing happened. And so I'm introduced to a truth. Listen, this is important because this is the principle. Understanding profits nothing. Unless you eat the food. Understanding profits nothing unless you eat the food. The challenge with it is this. When we get into the word of God and we start studying the things of God, we get 
the word and we get the pamphlets and we go to the, and we're getting all of this information and we know everything about God and I can quote everything about God. I've got all the information. I've got all the knowledge. I've got all the understanding, but I've got no life. I've got no life. Nothing's happening. I can tell you everything, but nothing's happening. So what he says to us is this, the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. What he's saying is you can read all you want. You can study all you want. If you do it the wrong way, you don't derive the benefit. Because as long as you're doing those things by the flesh, all you're doing is gaining information. But the minute you do it by the spirit, what ends up happening is you ignite life. All of a sudden, something starts to change and starts to happen. And I don't know where that came from because all of a sudden, I I used to be at a place where things were happening in terms of my intellect and my knowledge, but I was dry and I was empty. But something happened when I discovered spirit. I was able to engage with him in that place. We have too many Christians that look like Jenny Craig, that you look like their kitchen. You walk into their kitchen and they've got the pamphlets lying there and they've got the reorder forms lying there and they've got all the food lying around and it looks like, you know what, they have a form of diet, but they just deny the power thereof. It looks like I'm dieting, but I've just never eaten anything. There are so many Christians that can tell you so much about God because they know so much about God, but they've never met him. It's not a criticism because we're all going to walk that walk. Everybody's been there. And if anybody says they haven't, they're not telling you the truth. Because it's a journey. The point of it is don't stop in the understanding. Move to a place where it's like, I need to connect with him. I need to have that relationship with him. I need to be at a place where I can experience him as a living dynamic entity in my life. So, Rafa, I've got, a, I've got a, something to tell you. We have a special guest here today. God is making an appearance. Yeah. I know, I know. He's coming in the form of Rafa. <laughs> See, God attends our church. <laughs> come on, God, come and have a seat. And then Babette, will you come and have a seat up here? Oh. <laughs> If you sit there, Babette, on the right, yes. Rafa, you sit here. Let me move God a little bit further away from Babette. Move me. Move me, my son. Oh, I need God. So, no, this is the story. So here is God, okay? Here I am. And here is a person. And person. I love you, person. Okay. So, this is the story. Babette comes and she says, I want to get born again. And I said, it's the most wonderful thing. You need to have an invitation and you need to meet Jesus. She gets born again and the life of God comes and dwells on the inside of her, lives on the inside of her. You, when it talks about the, the life of God coming and living, it's not just like some airy fairy substance that just gets whacked inside you. What's put inside you is the essence of who God is. It's him taking up residence with you. I've moved in to your dwelling place. So God is there. The person of God is there as the spirit of Christ. Okay? 
Okay, so the person's there. It's not some airy-fairy substance. And then so what ends up happening is Babette, because she's decided to be a good person, she goes off to church because she wants to know something more about God, which is the right thing to do. So she, just as a PS for anybody who's wondering about that. So she goes off to church, and when she goes off to church, what she hears is, Babette! God is so good, and God loves you so much, and God is everything that God, his love for you abounds in so many ways, and he's prepared a future for you, Babette, and Babette, you know what? God is good, and he's solid, and he's reliable, and the good thing about God, Babette, is that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what else is wonderful about him? He's full of promises, and Babette, I can tell you those promises are going to be so good, and when you discover his promises, Babette, as you walk into each one of those promises, you're going to be amazed at what is going to do in your life because everything that he's got for you he's going to come and he's going to express itself as a promise and if there's truth in that and if you can grab a hold of that babette what will end up happening is he'll begin to reveal himself to you and things will begin to happen and so you know what i've done i've told babette a whole bunch of stuff about god but you know what she's never met him still he's sitting there i'm talking about him but she still never met him she's listening to me there's nothing wrong with the information unless we stop there. If you stop in the information, you're never introduced to him. God's never opened his mouth yet. I have. I'm telling a whole bunch of stuff about God and we get it in many different ways because we want to go to seminars that talk about God and we want to get books that talk about God and we will listen to our iPod which talks about God and we go to church which talks about God and all of those things are really valuable and all of those things create an, an, an understanding for us of who God is. Don't camp in the understanding. These are the scriptures that testify of me. Don't stay in that space because unless you take them and come to me, you don't have life. Everything that you get, there's nothing wrong with it unless we take it and we interpret it through our understanding. We think we are, are connected to God because we understand God and have information about God, but we have no relationship with him. We have no relationship with him. So when Jesus, just before he, he ascended, what did he say? He said to his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, then the Spirit cannot come. Yeah. Do you know what he was saying? Christ you know in the flesh needs to go away so that Christ in the Spirit can be revealed and discovered. Yeah. What he's saying is, everything that Babette's listening to about me is fine and good, but at some point, that's an introduction to God. At some point, God through me needs to go away so that God in the Spirit can connect with Babette. That's where you're going to discover God inside of you. He's a spirit inside of you. And so we have to learn how to connect with him. I go away as the flesh so you can connect with him in the spirit. So now let's see what happens when God speaks to Babette. Um, hello, my little child. I love you. Am I close enough? Am I close enough? Yes. I don't think I'm close enough. Get closer. Can you tell me about your day? Well. I know everything about your day. I want to hear everything about your day, even though I know everything about your day. 
Well, today I woke up. I love when you wake up. <laughs> I made a whole day for you. Yeah. What else? Did you eat breakfast? I did. I created all the chickens for you yeah. so you can eat all these eggs to tell you how much I love you and provide for you. Thank you, Dad. Have a seat. Okay. The point is this. <laughs> when God speaks into your life, what ends up happening is I heard something from him. I heard something from him. I never got it secondhand. I never got it from some other place. The problem with it is when I speak to Babette, I'm giving her information. And what I'm giving Babette affects and influences her thoughts. When God speaks to you, God engages your heart. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Because the fact of the matter is we don't live from our head. We live from our heart. Yes. We think we live from our head, but you really don't. Mm. There are plenty of people, for example, people who are addicts. Go and speak to any addict and say, you shouldn't be doing this. And they'll say, I know. And they will tell you all the reasons why they shouldn't do it, all the dangers of it, what the consequences of it. They know all of that stuff. But I can't change it because I feel as though I'm trapped. Mm. There's something inside of me that's alive and I can't get out of that thing that's alive and it drives my life. And even though I know I shouldn't be doing this stuff and even though I know it may even kill me, it doesn't matter because it just feeds something inside of me. Mm. The key drivers in our life are not in our head, they're in our heart. Mm. The things that drive you, the things that motivate you, what comes out of this space, my, my fear of things, my apprehension about stuff, my anxiety about things, yeah, yeah. my anger, my passivity, all of those things mean something is alive in here. And not everything that's alive in here is of him. So he's not really interested in what you think. Because the fact of the matter is, if he touches your heart, he influences the key drivers of your life. And when he influences the key drivers of your life, it doesn't really matter about what I'm thinking. I'll override it and keep doing it. Your brain is always going to come to odds with what you feel inside of your spirit because your brain is motivated, motivated by your senses. It's my flesh. And what my flesh feels like doing is very often not congruent with what God wants to do. Mm. My flesh wants to do all of this stuff because it feels good. And God says, well, hold on a second. You can go ahead and do it. But this is the consequences. What do you want? So something interesting happens in that space. I've got to hurry a little bit. The, the point is this. We think that when we get into relationship with God, it's important for us to have a, an understanding, to have the content, to have, to have the, the, the wherewithal up here of God. The fact is God's words are not for understanding. They're for life. Amen. They are for life. What it means is, I want to birth something inside of your heart. I want you to experience a change and a transformation in who you are on the inside. I want you to introduce, be introduced to a freedom that liberates you from that addiction. And suddenly it's like, okay, I felt him. Why? Because he didn't touch my head. He touched my heart. So the point is this. The currency of the kingdom is life. Life is the currency of the kingdom. I've heard other people say the currency of the kingdom is faith. It's not. Faith is an expression of life. God is life. 
And when Jesus came along, Jesus said, I have come to give them life and to give them life more abundantly. And when the Spirit of Christ came, what did he do? He said, let Christ live in your heart by Faith. What is faith? When God speaks and takes his life and injects it into me in a particular way, what ends up happening is it is an igniting on the inside of me. And that life is so dynamic and so alive on the inside of me. It can drive me and inform me and, and influence me in ways that other things can't because it's a living entity on the inside of me. And as a result of that, what comes out of that faith is the fruit of my life. The currency of the kingdom is life. Life. Life is incredible because life carries with it the dynamic of power. Anytime life is present, life is all about change, transformation, and creation. Anytime, power, anytime life arrives, things are going to happen. When a seed germinates, stuff happens. Why? Because life has become present and it's starting to do something. It's the same thing with God. The thing is, God doesn't have life. He is life. Amen. He is life. So when I start thinking about that for a moment, I begin to recognize the fact that I'm not dealing with a commodity of life, I'm, of God. I'm dealing with God himself. What he's saying is, you and I can do so many things when the two become one. Because the invitation when the two become one is that you can take part of who I am. You can partake in my nature. And when you partake of my nature, it introduces life. Life always comes with power. Power always comes with the ability to transform, the ability to change, the, the ability to create something new. Partnership with God and participating in a union with him opens up incredible opportunities. The challenge with it is, what we do is we become religious. What religion is, I understand God, but I can walk this journey solo. As long as I'm understanding God, I don't need God. Think about that. There are plenty of atheists who are, I shouldn't say they're theologians, I wouldn't say they're theologians, but they, 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 they what, do you, what do you call it when they, you, you study life and the, the different theories of life and the, what are they? Philosophers. philosophers, that's the word. There are plenty of philosophers who are atheists and they'll tell you everything you want to know about the Bible because it's a philosophy to them. But it's got no life. It's a philosophy. And so we can have knowledge of God and we can travel that journey without him. You don't need God to have an understanding of who God is. Satan knows God pretty well and the Bible. But there's no life. There's no life. And so if we're sitting saying that God wants to have a meaningful relationship with us, that God wants to meet with us, the thing is it becomes important for us to begin to understand how we do something like that. And what God invites us into, actually, let me read Romans chapter eight before I move on to that. I'm going to just put in a few little things here because for the sake of time. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who's of Christ Jesus? Okay, you've been born of his nature. Okay, you're of him. Who do not walk. 
according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What he's saying is, when he talks about you do not walk, he's saying you're running your race. You are journeying through life. What are you partaking of? Because something is going to inform your journey. And we either partake of him and his nature, or we partake of me and my ideas, my will. When it talks about the flesh, what it's talking about, it's the same as what Adam did in the garden. He was like, I'm going to go my own way. I'll be like God. My will becomes more important than God's will. That's the flesh. Anything that I've developed an understanding of and I want to journey my own way that is incongruent with God. It's going my own way. Something. So we have the opportunity to be able to decide what it is that we want to do. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. It's talking about your heart. Okay. The essence of your being, the software of your life sits in your heart. Any computer runs according to software. If you want to change the way that the computer operates, change the software. If you don't change the software, nothing happens. That's why God has a preoccupation and is focused on our heart because what he wants to do is he wants to take who he is and rewire, rework the software of our life so that we get to participate and, and reflect his nature. Um, Set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those, things who, uh, those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For be, to be carnally minded, to participate and to partake of the flesh is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I sat, sat and thought about that for a long time. And I was like, what does it really mean? Like to participate in the flesh is death. And I think what it really means is this. God is life. Okay, that's who he is. And so anytime you touch life or you experience life, you're experiencing God. Okay, and you bear the repercussions of touching life. But if you decide that you want to do your own thing, you get to do that, but you never get to touch life. So what you do is you run your own course. So God says, I'm not going to bless it. Life is not in that. The power of transformation is not in that. And so when I run my own journey and I decide I want to follow my will as opposed to God's will, what ends up happening is I do it outside of the umbrella of his anointing. And the consequences of that are as a result of the choices I've made. It's not that life isn't always available, but I've chosen something outside of that. To be carnally minded is hostile, it's enmity. It's hostile against God. It's not subject to the law of God, for indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. That is such an important verse that. The body is sin. What he's saying is this. When you got born again, the nature of Christ came in, made you a brand new creation. It, it took up habitation on the inside of you. You are a brand new creation. Spiritually, you are as righteous as you will ever be. But he didn't do anything to your body. Sin lives in the body. If you've ever noticed that, watch your appetites. Your appetites don't want to go the way of God. 
What do they want to do? I want to do my own thing. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I would love that. Oh, it's like, ah, I don't feel like going to church. Oh, I don't want to read my Bible. Oh, the idea of praying is such a, what's happening? It's enmity against God. With regularity, it doesn't buy into the things of God. It wants to do its own thing. It has its own will. And what God's saying is that in and of itself is where the temptation is to go outside of my, uh, of my will. That's why we have a choice all the time. Which will do you want to follow? Where do you want to go? My will or his? That's why when Jesus prayed, my will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking about your life. I'm praying for your will to be done in my life as opposed to mine. That's where the big division came with, with Adam in the garden. Um, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So it's an interesting thing. To be led by the Spirit of God means that I have to be in regular contact with Him and I need to be at a place where I'm able to commune with Him on re with regularity. I want to hear from Him what it is that I should be doing. There is a place called the secret place. The secret place. The secret place is a place right here. It excludes the preacher. It excludes the literature. It excludes, just listen to me, just listen to me. The book of the Bible. I'm not saying throw the Bible out, just listen to what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying is the Bible, as in, in and of itself, should always lead you to this. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me. That's where it should always lead you. There's nothing wrong with the other stuff unless it becomes a substitute for the secret place. It's not a substitute. Everything that God's looking for is relationship with you. He wants interaction with you. He wants you to go to him. He wants you to speak to him. The secret place is the place of connection. The secret place is the place of intimacy. Nobody else gets to share that space. It's a space between you and him. The secret place is the place where I get to commune with him and he gets to commune with me. The secret place is the place where the branch connects with the vine. This is where it happens. It's inside of you it's in you things happen in your life when you hit the secret place so Jesus is saying who do you say my disciple you talk to his disciples who do you say that I am and Peter says you're the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus says blessed are you Simon Barjona why because you just connected you just plugged in. You just discovered that place. All of a sudden, when you connect in that space and in, in that moment, the branch connects with the vine. Stuff can happen because life can flow. What you're saying is you blessed because flesh and blood didn't give this to you, but my father. What he was saying was what you gain from the flesh profits nothing, but you hit, you've plugged into spirit and the spirit will give you life. Paul. Well, Saul, back in before he was Paul, is traveling along and he's fine and he's happy with his understanding and his facts and his knowledge and he's moving along. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to blindside him and I'm going to hit him with the secret place. Mm -hmm. And when he hits him with the secret place, all of a sudden, Saul connects with spirit and his eyes are open and he goes, oh, 
What a waste of my life. Where have I been? What an idiot. Scribble it. None of that counts anymore. Because why? I got into the secret place and all of a sudden I plugged into life. And when I plugged into life, my perspectives changed. All of a sudden I saw things differently. And what a waste of time trying to memorize all of that stuff when I can actually connect with him. And I can spend time with him. And I can talk to him. And he speaks to me. And we commune one with the other. And he talks to me about stuff. And he begins to take who he is and introduce it to us. And he begins to, to, to break down and reveal himself to me in an intimate way. What a waste compared to knowledge. Who wants information when you can have relationship? The reason that the place is important is because it's in that space where the story of your life between you and him is going to be authored. But I've got to hear his voice. Because if you don't hear his voice, you don't know what he's wanting to do. And so what I do is I live by assumptions and I do all kinds of things according to what I think should be happening. But the problem with it is I never encounter life. Things will change in that space because the way that he introduces life to you is that it ignites something on the inside of you called faith. I'll speak a little bit more about this next week. The point is this. So... I was confronted with some stuff and I was like, fine, you know what we really need? We just need the provision of God in this place. And so a good Christian lad that I am, I went and got into the word and he started to pull out scriptures about God as your provider. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It's all right. It's all in Bible. It's all good. But if you live there, you're in trouble. What you do is you take that and you take it into the secret place. And when I took it into the secret place and I started speaking to him about it, he changed my focus. And he said this, he said, you're right. You're right. But actually, you're really just focusing on your need and me supplying your need. And you're actually looking at the provision and what is needed to provide for that. He said, let me speak to you a little bit about Jehovah Jireh. What he said was, let me speak to you about me. Let me speak to you about me being the source of your life. Let me speak to you about what it is to know the I am that I am. In that space, it changed everything. There was nothing wrong with the word. It was right. But it, when you take it into the secret place and you spend time with him, the thing about it is what he's going to do is he's going to extract the life from it. And he's going to represent it to you in a way that is not just a, a, a something, a, a verse that I've memorized up here, but something that's ignited on the inside of you, a confidence that you have. Because all of a sudden I feel as though I've just participated in his nature. I partook of something that's alive on the inside of me. I knew the scriptures, but they weren't alive. When he gave me something, bam, Come on. Jehovah Jireh, God, the wine maker of heaven and earth. He could do something in my life far more than my God. Just to play all my needs according to his so good. Come on. 
There's value. This is where relationship with God begins to take place. This is why relationship with God is so important because his words carry with them life and the power of transformation and change. I've got to have life. If you want to have life, you've got to hear his words. So let me speak for a moment about the secret place. I want to speak about some of the, the challenges that we have because some of the things that we've been trained to do that are not healthy. And I'm one of them. I was trained to do this. So the secret place is the, the place of connection between him and me. Nothing will happen in your life until you've heard from God. I'm sorry, that's just true. In his mercy, he may do some stuff. But if you want a dynamic life where you're looking for him to guide you and lead you every single day, you're going to have to hear his voice. He met with Moses in the burning bush. He met with him on top of the mountain. What is he doing? Every time he was talking to him, who he was, what his plan was, what the direction was, how he should. He wants to meet with you. Things happen with God when you meet with him. It's wonderful. What a great opportunity. Go and speak to him about your day. The thing about it is this. If you're going to go and speak to God, what's important is to recognize the fact that he wants to speak to you too. Let me give you some cues, some things that have helped me. We always seem to have such a discomfort with silence. We don't like silence. We always feel as though we have to open our mouth. The funny thing about it is there is something very healthy in silence when you're together with God. Because what silence does is this. It takes everything that's natural and it puts it in the background and it shifts your focus so that I can focus on him and get my attention into the secret space. That secret place. It's helpful. It gives me focus. Sometimes I have people who say to me, you know what my challenge is? I sit there waiting to hear from God. And I hear nothing. And I wait and I wait and I wait and I, never, I don't hear anything from him. This might help you. If I ever go on a date with Sarah, which we don't go on dates anymore because our lives are consumed with kid stuff. But the thing is, if, you, if we go on a date, we don't go to a restaurant and we sit down at a lovely candlelit dinner and we sit and we look at each other and we look at each other, and we look at each other, and we look at each other, and it's like, hello? What happens? Speak! Ask her a question. Take something to her. You begin to try. Oh, okay, hold on. Ask God a question. You'll be amazed. In that space, if you just ask him a question, see what comes to you. You're not going to hear an audible voice. If you do, you're one of the few. Okay, he's not that he does, but that's not how he normally works to us. He's going to work because what's going to happen is you're going to feel a response. And it was, like, oh, where did that come from? Speak to him, ask him a question. If you want, take a scripture to him and say, you know what, I've been reading this and I need this in my life, but I don't, I don't really understand how to make this happen. I need the life of this. I need you to give me something like this. What's happening? I'm engaging in conversation. And what you'll find is, I promise you, if you ask him a question, I can promise you he will respond. You will feel something on the inside of you. There you go. You just started a conversation. I can converse with God. We started talking about um, 
we, we changed the prayer meeting uh, this from pre-service to good morning, Holy Spirit. And an important part of that is to be quiet, just to hear him. This is what we, we do too often. And I think sometimes this is part of the reason that we, we sometimes miss God, is that we're at a place where we are averse to silence. And so what happens is, I go to this point and I'm like, I start being quiet. I'm like, okay, let me hear from God. I love you so much. Thank you, Father, for your blessings. I want to thank you, Father, that you're here right now. I want to thank you that you're here and you're doing this and you do. And I want to thank you for your plans and purposes for the morning. Thank you that you're here with us. Hey, I... Shamatata, shamatata, shamatata. Shamatata. Do you, do you know? By the stripes of Jesus, be healed. Be healed. Can, can, can I? <sighs> Holy Spirit, we just feel you all around here. Can you go and pray for this? Person? That's the problem. Because the problem with it is, you know what? We're so busy doing stuff. And the problem with it is, you know what? Our words have no life in them. We may as well babble. You can babble anything you want. Because unless you get faith, what ends up happening is confession is pointless. I believe this, I believe that, I believe the next thing, blah, 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 blah. Big deal. Where's the substance? Where's the life? What's going to bring transformation? Because I really wish that would happen. Not good enough. This is not about me. This is about him. And so when I discover his will in that space, and I let him speak to me about his will and his plans, his purposes and his intention, when I partake of who he is and I allow him to birth that on the inside of me, and it becomes living and vital and alive and dynamic, when it becomes something that is pulsating on the inside of me, then I can go and I can start to do a confession. Because what comes out of my mouth is not some vain babbling, but it's the life of him on the inside, babbling over and sitting saying change speak to the mountain what are you speaking to the mountain with if you don't have faith you don't have life and if you don't have life you have no power I have no, I have no problem with, with so many of the principles that are so right but if we get them in the wrong order they're ineffective I'm a big fan of confession why if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth but belief comes first if you confess without belief, nothing. Wow. Why do why people's confessions never go anywhere? I've got no life. I've got no vitality. I've got nothing of God on the inside that's injected into that to bring about change. I just want to confess it. I've got to get something from him first. But when I get something from him, there is a living dynamic entity on the inside of me, something where I've partaken of his nature and his nature is alive on the inside of me. And when I speak from his nature, things begin to happen. But I've got to get it first. The secret place. Secret place. What's so valuable about that space is because it becomes the source of my life. It's my lifeline. It's in that space where I get to discover him and who he is. I get to discover what he really thinks about me. So, one of our boys. 
had somebody who was part of the football team. And there's a big fish in a little pond. And it did great for him in many ways. Um, but he was, he was struggling with some stuff, um, growing, an identity, discovering who I am and what I'm all about, and walking the journey. And so he left and he went off to college. And unfortunately in college he became a little fish in a big pond. And it turned life on its head. And he's struggling, struggling to come to grips, struggling to get to the place where I feel as though my life is on terra firma again. And so the counselors tell the parents, well, you need to just say to him, you know, football's not important and it doesn't, we love you no matter whether you succeed or not. And they tell him that. And you know what it does? Nothing. You know why? Because words that are just words sit in here as information and knowledge. And I can talk to a counselor. The problem with it is the counselor doesn't have access to my heart. And even though he may or she may gain, be privy to some of the stuff that's happening in there, you have no substance to change it. Okay. It's like somebody who's afraid of flying. I can tell you all the reasons why you should fly and it's the safest way to fly. And they'll agree with everything you say. But you know what? They won't get on the plane. Because you can't change what's in my heart. There is a place for God in people's lives. And if you exclude him, the challenge with it is you cannot rectify that. There are places that are exclusively reserved for his influence. You can influence it. I can influence some stuff in myself because I can introduce some stuff by what I'm irresponsible with. But once it's in there, I can't get it out. Only he can. Secret place. You all have some stuff in your life because you're all human. <laughs> and when we're human, we deal with life. We grow up in life. We're exposed to life. And there's some stuff in there. But if you want to change, discover the secret place. It'll change everything in your life. Because in that space, you get to partake of his nature. And when you get to partake of his nature, it comes with life, it comes with vitality, it comes with power, it comes with influence. And when it brings that influence into the situation, I begin to shift and change. Why were people touched by Jesus and they were like, I'm not the same? Because he wasn't interested in what you thought. All he wanted to do was have the opportunity to introduce you to life. That's why Paul prays, pray that my words and my speech, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the Spirit. Why, what is he saying? My words are just going to go into your head. It's like, Holy Spirit, I can't get to their heart, but you can. And I pray that the words that I speak and the things that come out of my mouth will be sharp enough so that spiritually they penetrate beyond my understanding and touch the very essence of my being. And I ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs>
But that's a good place to end. So what we'll do is I want to carry on with it next week and I'll, I'll wrap it up. But can we please stand? I don't know where you are in your journey right at the moment. And I don't know what's happening in your life right now. But what I would say to you is this. If you're at a place where you're dealing with some stuff and you've got some struggles in your life, you've got some hurdles, you've got some hiccups, I don't know what the challenge is. The circumstances are there and it's like, I, I need I need God to meet me in this place. At the end of the service, what I would like for you to do is come up so that people can pray for you. My encouragement for you this week is pursue the secret place. And if you've discovered the secret place, Spend more time there. Lots of people have never discovered the secret place. They're good people. They love God. They have a heart after God. But when you discover the secret place, what I will tell you is this. Be aware that it's the most poignant engagement that you will have. Because God doesn't play games. He's not going to mess around with other stuff. He's going to go straight to those things that touch the essence of your being. It's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing, but it will affect you. It's good. Why? Because if I'm driving on three wheels, I'd rather have four things. He'll fix the wobbly wheel. Father, I pray for every person that's represented here. I pray for everybody who's watching. Father, I just want to thank you right now. That Holy Spirit, you have such a deep love for them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take them on a journey beyond understanding, beyond information, beyond facts, and introduce them to that secret place. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as they pursue that, that you meet them in that spot. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as they move into that intimate place with, with you, I want to thank you that you'll meet them there. I thank you for overwhelming them in ways that they least imagined. I want to thank you that you're the saver. I want to thank you that you're the healer. I want to thank you that you're the deliverer. I want to thank you that the fullness of everything that we're looking for is in you. And Father, as we get to participate in your nature, as we make a conscious decision to allow who you are to influence who I am, I want to thank you that the fullness of your being comes in and floods my life. I pray, Father, that as we learn to live from that space, I want to thank you that we can walk into a solid foundation for life. I thank you for fresh perspectives, for loving dispositions. I thank you that we have something to offer to a hurt and broken, broken world. I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.